Good morning. Welcome to the Celtic Way Morning Briefing Live. It's Monday, January the 23rd. My name's Tony Haggerty. Slightly nasal Tony Haggerty, but we're getting there. We're shaking it off. Uh, at a Haggerty 10 Twitter handle, as you can see. And I'm joined today by my two trusted friends, three amigos reassembled as always. One at uh, Sean Martin, at Sean Martin TCW and... Aidan McDonald at Aidan C. McDonald. Gentlemen, how are you? How was your weekend? I know bad, Tony. Better than you, by the sounds of it. But That's I better know. than me, indeed. Indeed, Aidan, we'll get to your 5-0 prediction in the fullness of time. You can just bask in the glory of that and <laughs> smile smugly, as you usually do. But there you have it. Now, I'll just direct your attention, ladies and gentlemen, to the strap line running along the bottom. You can join us at the Celtic Way by the click of a button www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe and if you do that you'll get four months of access to everything that's written on the website for a pound plus any new subscribers will also receive this limited edition bespoke A3 artwork by renowned Celtic football artist made by Frankie you can see it in the in the box there it's worthwhile having that's for a click of a button guys www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe Good morning, everybody. Thanks for that. I hope you're enjoying your rolling bacon, whatever comment I said that indeed. Uh, and we also thank our new sponsor, Seneca. The Celtic Way Morning Briefing is now sponsored by Seneca Medical Group. And Seneca are the number one hair transplant company in Europe. And they offer innovative hair restoration treatments. And you can find out more about Seneca via the links in the description of this video. So we thank them. So I'll go on the Celtic Way morning briefing this morning, guys. How are we doing? Celtic 1-5, nothing against Morton through to the next round of the Scottish Cup. We'll get to that. But Sean, ins and outs. Josip mm -hmm. Juranovic, fireball no more. Sign for Union Berlin. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm -hmm. And a deal reputed to be worth £10 million for Celtic. Sean, you happy with that? Good piece of business or not? Uh, well, we had a we had a mini discussion about this in the group chat yesterday, didn't we? When it was confirmed, uh, Aiden, if I remember right, you were a wee bit disappointed with the fee. Tony, you were rightly feeling very justified, <laughs> uh, rightly feeling very justified, given that uh, you put pen to paper and printed that that's what you felt would get you yeah. to the table a few months ago, and I took a bit of stick of it as well, uh, a bit of stick for saying it. Sorry, uh, if I remember right. Uh, I dug out my notes from last June when we spoke about it, uh, and I said something along the lines of, you asked for about £13 million, but if a club goes near 10 it'd be done. So, I, I mean, I'm not necessarily surprised. I think Aidan's probably right to say that he expected a wee bit more, because after the World Cup, I think even I thought it would maybe go up another wee bit. But ultimately, it's it's ended up running about what I thought it would for the get-go. So, I can't be too disappointed that it's, it's panned out like that. Aidan, your thoughts? I would have, yeah, as Sean was saying, liked it to be a wee bit higher, maybe like even in that sort of 12 million bracket, but I can understand why he's obviously went for that fee, probably. We'll maybe go on to discuss specifics, but I think he's probably, his age did play a part. If he'd been maybe a few years younger, I think that would have added a bit more on his transfer fee. But yeah, overall, with the sort of links we've been hearing in recent times, uh, like when Monza were first interested, obviously before Union Berlin, it was, I know they were originally alone with an option to buy, but it was round about this fee, so it kind of does stack up in terms of the recent reports, but 
Yeah, and in, in the end, I would like to go a bit higher, but given the reports, it's kind of not a surprise that's the money he went for. Tony, David Holmes coming in saying, great profit and a £2.5 million player. You literally just said that before we went live. Ultimately, as much as it proves you right anyway, about the £10 million gets you a seat at the table, blah, blah, blah. Ultimately, that's the takeaway, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I also said he's on the group chat yesterday, don't see these things for dramatic effect or, you know, for people to then jump on and, you know, use it as a stick to beat you with. You're, you're just trying to call it as you see it and be a wee bit prescient and say, like, look, listen to what's happening and try and connect dots. That That's all I was doing at the time. I'm not coming on here and saying I'm being very wise and very smart. I just, I just think if you're kind of prudent and... You know, you have a look around, and I, I, we did. We spoke about why we spoke. You spoke at length about his age, and he maybe had one big move left in him. And then you know, the manager was talking about don't fall in love with players and kind of don't get attached and all these kind kind of things that have since emerged. You know, so you say to yourself, fine, and and, and you look at Juranovic and you know people questioning ambition and stuff. And we spoke off there there just before we came on, and mm-hmm. he's gone to the third best team in the Bundesliga at this minute in time. He's gone to a thriving league, which is pretty competitive in, in the main, isn't it, at, at this moment in time. And he's also gone to a lovely city for anybody that knows. Berlin's a wonderful, wonderful city. So there might be a football choice and a lifestyle choice for his family. So it's not just a case of he doesn't want to play for Celtic anymore. There's a lot of considerations there. He gave you 18 months good service. I think he leaves with the best wishes of the Celtic supporters. You know, if you're going to nitpick, people will say, ah, but he, he wasn't great in Europe and you know, a lot of goals that were conceded in, at Champions League level came down his side. Fine, nitpick away, do that. But I think Andy's right. You enjoy these players while they're there. He won the title in the League Cup in his first season at Celtic. Seemed, a really good, seemed like a really good teammate which Gordon Strachan used to bang on about when he was a manager. I think you saw that with the likes of Juranovic. He liked a good laugh. He, he liked a good... And he was always one of the first players to run to a teammate when they scored. You know, when he was on the party, he was always one of the first to congratulate them. So, stuff like that. So, I just think you say, thank you. Thanks for the memories. Josip, we hope you enjoyed your time. And, he, and I think he said at the end of his message that uh, he'll always be a Celtic uh, supporter at heart. So... I think the club's did a great piece of business and uh, he will now preach the good gospel of Celtic everywhere he goes to others and, you know, you, you wish him all the best. I've got his uh, I've got his parting message here. I'm not going to read the whole thing out, but it basically did. He said a memorable 18 months. Him and his family will remember every part of the journey. It was a special time for them. Uh, singled out his teammates as a whole, kind of saying the dressing room was amazing. Uh, he said it was a pleasure working with the manager, the coaches and the staff members. And thank the fans. Mentioned Fireball, the song, obviously. Uh, and then he, you're right, Tony. He ended saying, "Once a sell, always a sell." Um, for me, in terms of the ambition thing, club going to. Listen, I agree with everything you said. They're, Union Berlin are a, they're a young club, but they're a historically working class supporting club and a big city and a top league. Well, you're right. They're, they're third a lot. I see a lot of people saying they're fifth or third, and they've been up at that part of the league all season. Because when we did our RB Leipzig preview. I can inadvertently spoke about Union Berlin because that was one of the teams that had taken points off Leipzig. Yeah. Um, and they were, I think, sitting top at that point. It was our, our second at that point. The third just now, they're currently competing for European qualification again. They've got Ajax in the Europa knockout rounds in the coming coming weeks. 
Well, clearly my own opinion is it's nowhere near the size of club that he's leaving. It's a good all-round move and probably an understandable one. And I'm going to put this one, this comment up um, from JJ McGarvey saying, good fee considering his form this season. Plus, and this is the part I want to say, plus it covers the fees for the incomings. Because aside from anything else, it moves Celtic very much back into the black in terms of approximate yeah. net transfer spend since Ange Postecoglou joined. And as I said in my breakdown of that, all that stuff, it's not luck. It's just a club living and spending within its own means. Yeah. And, and also, Aidan, the, the, it's a wee bit more palatable because the succession planning was there. They'd already brought in Alistair Johnston. So it's a it's not so much a bit of pill to swallow, is it? Because you sort of look and think, well, Alistair Johnston's there, Anthony Ralston's still there. So there is adequate cover. We could cope with losing Josip Juranovic. We spoke about that. Yeah, it's if you're going to lose sort of a player of that quality, the best thing you can do is already have a replacement. And then, like you say, there's the cover with Alston as well. So it's probably not as big a blow as, you know, losing a really important player on the last day of the window and then you're scrambling to get somebody in on loan, etc. Or maybe not getting anyone in at all. So, yeah, from that perspective, it, that probably has softened a, a bit of the blow. Johnson's came in. I know he's only played a few games, but he's looked pretty impressive. Uh, that he done well at Ibrox, and then obviously we know Ralston's pretty effective to come in when needed. So I think that's probably why some not everybody's maybe as upset about this uh, transfer as other ones in the past that the player leaving just because there's adequate cover there. And hopefully that's going to be really the case going forward for a lot of players. That if anybody does move on, you know, like Yakimakis, etc., does look like Celtic's going to buy another striker. So, yeah, f- from that perspective, the, the club do seem to be moving in a positive direction, recruitment wise, Tony. Tony, I've got two comments from Andrew Galea here. He says, and there'll be more to go, Sean. And he said mm-hmm. earlier on, it's something that has to happen. There's too much fat and our squad needs trimming down. That probably leads us on to the next topic fairly, fairly nicely. Not that I'm calling him fat that needs trimmed right enough, but. Yeah, I mean, we, we're looking at it now and. Jackamakis is possibly the next one to maybe depart the club. And made some comments about him on Saturday. And also, you see the wheels and ball in motion, not for not Cho, but Oh, let's get it right. Uh, oh, Hyung Yu looks uh, that he could be the, the next one to come into the club from Suwon. I, we believe, reports are to believe that. Two and a half million deal uh, has been kind of signed off, and he looks as if he, that might be concluded in the next few days. Various reports of a medical being penciled in as well, Sean, for O. Uh, so that could be the next incoming. And then, obviously, if you're going off the back of what the manager said about Jackamacus, who didn't feature in the squad on Saturday, then you'd have to think that there may be some kind of wheels in motion behind the scenes with Jackamacus as well. I mean, it's gone a bit quieter the last few days, kinda. Yeah. Uh, but he wasn't in the squad again against Morton. And I know Ange Postecoglou says he wasn't quite ready, but um, but still, I suppose this topic and the next one, which is obviously O, they're kind of inextricably linked, aren't they? Because yes. the more O is linked, the more it's as, it's assumed that Yakimakis is nearing the exit and people are seeing interested club reps in every corner of Parkhead and different <laughs> things. And um, I, I mean, with, with, with the O... With the old one, because I do, I do actually think they're linked. I don't think it's going to be three strikers that will be on uh, in the squad by the time the window roll, uh, the window closes. But it was um, 
Tony Joseph reckons it's around two and a half million, I think he said, and it could be yes, done in two days. So that basically that's more than enough for me to pull the trigger on a Stuart Ross scout report. Put it that way. <laughs> uh, he's already started pulling data and clips together for that. So keep your eyes peeled for that hitting the site soon enough. But it's um, I, I think the two they've got to be linked. It's the way that Celtic are doing their business just now. And I, I know that both of you, I think, at different parts have said that it would be good to get a third striker rather than just yeah. one out. Um, but I've been there. feeling they're, they're linked. <laughs> I've been the eternal optimist with Jack and Marcus Aiden, but mm-hmm. might have to concede defeat on that one. For every yang, there's a yang, you know. So uh, maybe got Juranovic right, but maybe. But I still feel that uh, Celtic could have did a bit more, or what, whatever reason, and it will come out in the fullness of time. If it's simply game time, then it's one of those that maybe Jack and Marcus have decided to seek more first team uh, game time somewhere else. I'm sure we'll, we'll find that out, but you know, I still until he leaves the building, I'll, I'll cling on to the hope that Celtic do have three strikers by the end of January, Sean. But <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm willing to maybe sort of say, okay, fair enough. But even a lot of people were getting a bit worked up about the manager's comments with regards to Juranovic and, and Jack and Marcus saying about uh, taking their careers. To the next level and, and things like that and getting worried that there was a, a hidden cryptic message about himself as well and and that did you read a lot into that or were you just thinking he was speaking specifically about the individuals concerned i think he was probably just referring to the actual specific players and i, I think even though obviously we, we may rate celtic as a bigger club than union berlin i don't think in terms of iran which there's no disputing that the bundesliga is a higher quality league than the scottish league i think that's probably mostly what he was referring to tony that's how i took it anyway uh, obviously yeah. if yakimak is potentially going to the j league then that becomes a separate discussion but in terms of like Juranovic or if it's players potentially down the line moving on to premier league or that etc that was how i took it obviously with and just situation it feels like there's maybe not been a link for a wee while but there was a stage that anytime any sort of club was getting rid of a manager that it became a concern that and was potentially maybe going to go there or he was getting heavily linked to going somewhere so that's always going to be there i wouldn't really read any more into it based off his recent comments i think that was more just talking about the quality of the league that Juranovic was going to in this occasion did you think it was a cryptic message sean as well regarding himself and don't fall in love with even him? I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, See, you know what I'm like? I've got a love-hate relationship with social media at the best of times. Tony, I would enjoy it a lot if it wasn't for the job, I don't think. But uh, So I'd never know how much to read into this stuff. And it's always cryptic, isn't it? It's never, it's never yeah. any other news for it. It's like slamming the window shut and all that. It's always a cryptic yeah, yeah, yeah. social media yeah, yeah, post, yeah. a crisp, cryptic Instagram post and all that. But I don't know. I'm not sure. I, You know, I, I think... But I think when you you listen to the manager, he always talks about plans, doesn't he? And mm-hmm. he always talks about the future and working in the future in terms of I'm working two windows ahead, and you know you get plans for Celtic. So I think if you listen closely enough, he I would be very surprised if the manager were to jump ship anytime mm-hmm. soon. So that, that's just my own personal thinking on that. So yeah, it's, <laughs> Pete McGee, stop it, Tony. Get your own buzzwords. He said, I've said, I stole these cryptic messages there. <laughs> decoding message you know but yeah indeed but lots of kind of intrigue about uh, the last few days of the transfer window with regards to Celtic but it's a uh, there's a 
to quote the old only an excuse Paul McStay reference, no no cryptic message about that. There is a buzz about Celtic at this moment in time in terms of incomings and outgoings and you know, you, you, you turn around and you say to yourself, Okay, if O comes in, will he be the only one? Will others mm-hmm. will others leave the premises, Sean? Do you still think that there could be scope for others to leave the premises? Trim the fat, as someone said there. Yes, I do, eh? mm-hmm. you know, I think so. Aye. I don't see why not. I think there's uh, there's several players there that, that don't get a game and don't look like getting a game. Yeah. Um, so I don't see why not. I don't see why you, not. You put in the likes of Stephen Welsh in that bracket, Mikey Johnston possibly. Well, like- I mean, they're, they're, given they're already, well, Mikey Johnston's already away on loan. I wasn't really counting him. Stephen Welsh might need to go on loan depending on what happens with, with Marich Jens's loan. Yes, um, but there's also one as well. Austin Lawal get, get a game at the weekend. Whether you think it's worth basically trading Stephen Welsh's place on the bench or the fringes of the bench for Boston Lawal's, then I, I don't know because uh, it doesn't look as if that that particular centre back will be getting much game time with um, Cameron Carter, Vickers, Yuki Kobayashi, and Carol Starfield floating about. Uh, yeah. But no, I was meaning players like Abelgard sort out his kind of future. Yusuke Deguchi, even maybe James McCarthy, even though. He does qualify as a homegrown player uh, for the nation, that kind of thing. There's all these considerations, but I, th- th- there is, I would agree that there is some fat that needs to. I think you mentioned a name there that people had forgotten there, Abelgard Aiden. <laughs> yes, he, he's still he's still kicking around. Idaguchi's still kicking around as well. So maybe guys like that, Aiden. See, uh, they, these are the people that maybe could be heading for some kind of exit. I think so. Those names are probably the most likely uh, to leave Abelgard in particular. I just I don't really know what's happened there, to be honest. Uh, he's barely featured that also. I think him, Adeguchi, McCarthy, etc. Uh, I think the Welsh one, I, I do agree with Sean, that probably does depend on what happens with Jens. Also, I think there was a, on, I think it was Anthony Joseph again, actually, on a Friday, because I had a news hit on it, was talking about... Uh, Moritz Jensen said on his options for, for the future, so I, I, whether or not that means he's going to move on in this window or not, I don't know, but I think if he did, then Stephen Welsh would probably be there till the end of the season, but there's definitely players I think that can be trimmed out and that's not, I know that I've got another couple of names to mention, That's they're probably more the summer, but that's not even including guys that are already out on loan that Celtic will be wanting to get off the wage bill eventually of Sorrow, Yeti, Barkas, etc., which might be a lot more difficult given their sort of transfer situations. But there's plenty of players there, guys, that I think Celtic and Andrew will be wanting to get off that wage bill and trim the squad. Because be, I'm sure Andrew's plenty of players will be wanting to bring in again in the summer. So You mentioned names there, Sorrow, Ayeti, Barkas. They just seem like names from <laughs> a bygone age. You don't know, you know, and it's, it's only like a couple of years ago, isn't it? But mm-hmm. I just think Celtic have moved in a completely different direction from the sorrow Ayeti Barkas day, Sean. Do you agree with that? We have, I and to be honest, I saw um, Barkas pulled off an absolute cracker of a save for um I know Eisen you you uh, sit in the throne of lies <laughs> for uh, for Utrecht the other day. He's he's played consistently for them, I'm not saying he's been great because I've not watched <laughs> him, but I seen the clip on their social media. Um and the first thought that came into my head was not Oh, let's get him back in the door. It was actually well, maybe they might end up paying some some good money for him if he's yeah. uh, making their social media channels and it's not a not a meme. Yes. So that that's that's the hope, isn't it? That mm-hmm. you can maybe get these guys off off the wage bill and, and recoup some kind of 
uh, recompense for them, if mm -hmm. at all. But I think like that, as I said there, the, those guys are possibly stigmatised by that era at Celtic as well, which which makes it harder to mm -hmm. get any kind of fee for them. You know, which is not, that... not of their, well, it kind of is of their doing, but if, if you get what I mean, you know, mm -hmm. so it's, it's kind of, there's a, there's a, there's a difficulty there in handling those situations, isn't there? I remember I wrote a couple of times about Sorrow that to me they always seemed like the individual components of a decent kind of holding midfield yeah. were all there, but they just couldn't quite melt together in the right way. Yes. Uh, I, don't, I doubt they will for Celtic and not, not for not for the way that that midfield's shaping up anyway uh, with Celtic, but there's, there's a lot of chat in the comments about goalkeepers, not so much first choice, although I do think, and we've said before that, that is going to be a consideration. Succession planning for Joe Hart is going to be something that seriously needs considered. Uh, but there's also, after Joe Hart, you've got Benjamin Segrist, and then you've got Scott Bain, but now you've also got Connor Hazard back. Toby Uwilayemi went on loan to Hink Cox City, wasn't it? So he's, he going to be getting, he's going to be getting football. But Connor Hazard's come back from a pretty pretty good loan spell at HJK Helsinki, um, but will be way down the peck order. So I wonder if you'll see him going out uh, permanently in this window, or whether it might be come the summer, maybe everything shifts, maybe Bain goes and, and Hazard moves up one and takes the Bain position, I don't know. Um, but there is something there with the keepers that we need to consider as well. There's, four, there's essentially four of them, albeit Uwe Yemi's away on loan now. Well, you've already seen Scott Robertson left to join Fleetwood Town mm -hmm. uh, in midweek, so you could see some youngsters like that getting permanent transfer deals somewhere else, mm -hmm. because the at this moment in time, they're just not going to see any game time at Celtic and won't crack the first team. So Scott Robertson took that decision already yep. uh, to join Scott Brown at Fleetwood. So, Aidan, do you see that kind of happening with a couple of these players that we've, we've mentioned? Yeah, if the deals can be worked out, then yeah. But obviously, like you were saying, Tony, uh, some players are stigmatised, particularly the free. Yeah. Uh, are stigmatised by that sort of season, even though they're probably likely to stay at our current clubs on loan in this window and then it'd be the summer but I think maybe not to the sort of all weeks in England but I think for somebody like Adeguchi they will Ange eh, and the team will be trying to get him moved on eh, Abogard obviously he has a loan but I imagine if Celtic can get that loan sort of cancelled really eh, halfway through the season they will Jens we obviously pretend, I know he, he did play quite a bit at the start of the season it does look quite hard that unless there's a major injury, he's going to make it up. Not at all, but that he's going to sort of suddenly start playing a lot of games again. Because, you know, Kobe Ashes came in, did quite well. We'll come on to speak to him at the weekend. And then Starfelt and Carter Vickers are when they're both fit, usually regular starts. So it's going to be difficult. I, I think if Celtic can, ideally, they would get probably quite a few moved on in this yeah. window. But just it might be, even though it's kind of kicking the ball down the road, it, it might be come the summer before. Some more yeah. than that out the door, just looking at it. Tony JJ McGarvey coming in here saying he would have preferred to have kept Scott Robertson and get rid of James McCarthy because Robertson's homegrown and club trained rather than just nation trained. Suppose the answer to that would be they're at different stages of their career. Ones, yes. ones without meaning to, without putting words in James McCarthy's mouth. One is probably fairly happy to be at Celtic even though they're not playing, and the other one is young and wants to play football. Yeah, of course, I, I think that's exactly it. Nailed it there, Sean, definitely. And, you know, a, a lot of, there's a, a couple of youngsters. Uh, Aidan McEnroy also left as well, didn't he? Kerr uh, McEnroy. Kerr McEnroy, sorry, Aye. yes. Uh, he did the same, you know, so lots of, uh, especially young 
uh, midfielders at Celtic. You know, that, mm-hmm. that's, that's, a difficult, that's a difficult nut to crack that. Uh, so, Kerr McEnroy, sorry, I called him Aiden. I was looking at Aiden on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so Kerr McEnroy also saw that kind of route out with, mm-hmm. with uh, Scott Robertson doing the same as well. So, you, you can perfectly understand that, can't you? And as you said, he's at a different stage in his career. So, mm-hmm. and I, and I, as you're saying there, the midfield's probably the hardest bit to break yes. into. But I would still contend that when we spoke about Rocco Vata, trying to break into those wings positions is is probably yeah. up there. Uh, I've written a piece that I mentioned the other day. I'll, I'll publish it as the newsletter the night probably. But Joey Dawson. Now, if O comes in, hmm. which seems likely, then obviously this is then the caveat that there is another pair player in front of Joey Dawson. But he scored again at the weekend. Yeah. He's um he's in really really good form. He was he's signed. Remember, he, he is in the B team, but he, he's not a Celtic youth player technically, yeah. um because he was signed from down south with the intent of this this guy could eventually make the grade. And I suppose that's the rationale with any signing. But um I was thinking if Yakimakis is truly on the way out, that is only one striker in in the way. Uh, obviously, yeah. if Ockham's in, it's not anymore. But unless you count Maida as, as the second option, which I suppose he probably would. But for me. Looking at avenues that any of these B team players could get into that squad, uh, that seemed like the most likely position if Yakimakis was going because the wings in midfield are absolutely stopped. Joey Dawson can't do any more, Aiden, to maybe force the manager's hand or to, to give him a shout at least put him on the bench for some games, can he? Potentially, I mean, it's just so difficult. Like, even if Yakimakis does move on in this window, Celtic are going to bring in another striker, so. There's already going to be a lot of depth there. And then even somebody like Rocco Vata has kind of had minutes in front of him. I know he also can play out in the wing as well. But And then even there's other players like Abad and you know Mahida that can play through the middle as well, yeah. even if they're not usually uh, sort of playing in that position. So it's going to be quite difficult. Just the fact he, he wasn't on the bench for the Morton game. Uh, no. I, I just think that would have been a good opportunity. I know there's obviously another Scottish Cup game St Martin coming up and there could be other opportunities at the end of the season depending how the sort of league campaign finishes. But I, I, I just think it's going to be quite difficult. I mean, he's obviously doing well. Like Sean was saying, he, he did score on the B team. They, they went top of the, the old league at the weekend after that result. So he, he's been doing well. He got the goals against the uh, Rangers recently as well in the game at Celtic Park for the between the two B teams. So... He's, he's he's been doing well and he looked okay that sort of game last season when he came on eh, when all the, the sort of COVID went through the squad and there was yeah. no fans in the stadium for, against St Johnston but I just think there's quite a lot of depth in that position even outside the actual regular players that start as strikers there's so many other forwards that can do even Hak Savanovich would probably be somebody that could potentially fill that role so who even though it's probably likely that he won't, there's just so many players that I think it's just a wee bit too difficult right now, Tony, to be honest. Of course, Abada, Tony, who we, uh, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. we, we kind of said that on here. Uh, I wrote it in an article as well when Kyogo was injured the first time away back at the start of last season. Uh, if you're trying to replicate roughly a Kyogo light, I called him at the time, mm-hmm. uh, then he could go through the middle. There's a few saying uh, he looked all right when he went through the middle. Aiden tipped up the start through the middle of the weekend as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's one tip Aiden didn't get right. Um, but yeah. Sam Hartley, right enough, saying a bad is much better on the wing, which I would argue is the, the thing that counts in, in, in any young player's favour in terms of maybe Joey Dawson, a centre forward. These wingers, even Maida, who, who has played through the middle um, and played it well, um, all of them are better out wide. Yeah. So if he wants a centre forward, and there was a gap. I don't know. I'm obviously. I, I, I'm 
honestly not even convinced myself. But <laughs> basically, what you said there, Tony, is that the 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 reason for writing it, it can't do any more. What, what yeah. more are you asking it to be team level? Um, and, and and if you want yeah. to, and like everything else, he, he sent uh, Steve McManus to replicate everything that they do, and Joey Dawson's replicating everything that the A team does in training, mm. and then he can only score against the opposition that's presented in front of him, and he's scoring with increasing reg increased regularity. Mm-hmm. Nothing short of, you know, saying to the manager, "I'm here, I'm here," you know. But you look at the quality that he has to try and displace right along that front line. And as you say, the manager had always said he wants that front three to be interchangeable. So you've got guys like Haksabanovic, Maida, Abada that can play in the centre forward position if needed, if wanted. If Kyogo does get injured, if Jackamakis leaves, you've also got guys like Forrest as well, who play, who can come into the team every now and again. So, you know, mm. I feel sorry for Joey Dawson, you know, because there is a plethora of options there, isn't there? And you seem to, and you seem to think that unless there's a real kind of crisis injury-wise to front players, when is he going to get his opportunity? It's very hard to see that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean that this is this is my I was going to say my problem, but this is my this is my critique in terms of whether it was the right back situation when no right backs were, were given a chance. And I know Hatati get rid of the match and scored twice from there, but yeah. uh, and I say that all the time. But I did genuinely think maybe this is a chance for any of the right backs uh, to get a wee shout. Where whether it's up front where Vata got some sub minutes, but ultimately that that is only an introduction. It's nothing more than that. Um, or in midfield where they gave Matthew Anderson a new deal, but realistically, that midfield is locked down. There's no way I can see any of them getting a, getting game time in that midfield. Um, so likewise, uh, the only the only way I could really see Joey Dawson or any other striker, but Joey Dawson's the one that is in yeah. in scoring at the moment, um, getting an opportunity is like what might might be happening, but maybe not now. Is Yakimakis leaving and there being a yeah. a bit of time? But obviously, if O comes in, then that's another guy in front of them who is going to need game time to settle in. So there's there's next to no chance. But nonetheless, I've written it anyway, Tony, and I've made yeah. the case, and I've I've said that it's not yeah. just a wee sputter for him. Sure. Overall, he's, he's got like 18 goal contributions in 17 lowland league games. Although at, at this moment in time, eight goals in five games is just what a runner for him. Yeah. Uh, so and he actually um, he got a disallowed goal in amongst all that as well, not long ago. So there we go. But well, we've gone half an hour and we've not even spoken about Saturday's game. Yeah. We'll go to Aiden on this one. The GOAT got his prediction right again. Going from <laughs> left to right on your screen, Sean said 3-0, I said 4-0. The greatest predictor of all time here, young Aiden McDonald said 5 nothing. Take it away, Aiden, as smug as you like. It made, well, what I would say is it made up from a sort of woeful predicted XI, <laughs> so it's good to get something right, but yeah, obviously Celtic were pretty dominant in the game, and to be honest, given it was 4-0 at half time, I, I didn't actually think I was going to get my 5-0, I thought it was probably going to be a lot, a lot higher on that, but yeah, it was a professional performance, and yeah, it was the job done really, to be honest, it's probably one of those games that come end of the season that you don't, might not remember that much about really but yeah it was it was it was okay it was pretty good sean i refused to go on about VAR on a, mm-hmm. on a 
uh, briefing. But will we make make it quick then, will we? Shocking penalty call for the first one. I don't think yep. any Celtic supporter thought it was a penalty. Yep. So uh, that's that's all I'm willing to say. Uh, for me, Tony, I, I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. I've not seen anybody, literally anybody, apart from the referee, say that that was a penalty. Yeah. Um, I think it was uh, never a penalty. I think the second handball probably was. Yes. Uh, although you could, and at the end of the match, you could reasonably argue, well, Celtic should have had one penalty and they got one. I would say two wrongs don't make a right. The officials had another stinker in that sense. And just because Celtic benefited on this occasion doesn't change that. Or change all the wrongs that's come before either. The, the criticisms all still stand. Yeah, without a doubt. Aidan, the big takeaway from Saturday was the performance of Aaron Moy. Or to get it right, Aaron, Aaron Moy, Aaron, Aaron Moy. <laughs> to the tune of Daddy Cool or Harry Cool from Boney M. For those who are who remember Boney M the first time around, of the three guys here, that's me. So <laughs> there you have it. And the very fact that I sang it to Aaron Moy at Easter Road the night he got his first two goals and he was looking at me like I had horns in the head. <laughs> uh, but hey, there you have it. He did ask Harry Kuehl and then the boys were singing it on the bus to him. He admitted that time, so he was kind of a bit... He, he didn't really understand what was going on, but he'll understand now because it's cascading down from the terraces quite a lot now, isn't it? So I think the Celtic supporters are really enjoying what Aaron Moy's bringing to the table now. Yeah, he's really sort of turned into a wee bit of a fan's favourite, isn't he? And he's, his performances deserve that because he's been playing really well and he's adding goals to his game now. He was sort of being quite influential in the midfield for a sort of quite a wee while, but now that he's actually putting goals into that as well, that's the fans obviously are always going to take to you when you're doing things like that. And I know people say it was against Morton, but it's been off the back of a good runner for him. You know, he was really good against Comart, the two games against Comart. And the, the game in the, the League Cup, I thought it was one of the... I know, I hadn't mind I got the stadium man of the match in the semi-final, but I thought Moy was really good that day as well. And yeah, it's been another positive sign. It was probably one when Ange sort of brought him in that people are like, no, he's maybe just going to be a squad player that's maybe not going to feature that much. Not not somewhat in the coffee. He probably expected to be contribute more than that, but he's ended up becoming one of the main players in this sort of recent chunk of games anyway. And yeah, it's good to see him. Looks like sure. he's hit not a bad penalty as well, which could be useful <laughs> potentially coming towards a League Cup final. Well, Sean, on that, I wrote my piece on Aaron Moy yep. uh, in a, my uh, overarching view of Saturday on Aaron Moy. And I kind of said tongue-in-cheek in it that in the process of bringing Aaron Moy into the side, uh, the managerial genius that is Ange has inadvertently solved Celtic's penalty crisis because that's two <laughs> and two, taking with great aplomb and you know, but uh, if you put the piece in the link, so you want to have a read it, guys, uh, feel mm-hmm. free. But I was just kind of saying that Ange knew exactly what he was doing when he was playing in Aaron Moy. You know, people were saying 32 years old and, and then based a lot of opinion on, like, their first impression of him. But the manager said, look, this guy's not played in months. Mm-hmm. Wait till he's fit. Wait till he can show you exactly what he can do. And then you sort of think, listen to the manager. I keep saying, listen to him. Because his, his roadmap that he signposts, it tells you. And it's all sort of coming to fruition now. He's he's hit that purple patch of form, has Aaron Moy, hasn't he? Aye, he was superb again. Um, I think there's no getting away with when he first came, he was still on fit. And it wasn't so much the, the kind of lack of match fitness that was that was uh, meriting 
doubts it was that he was clearly playing within himself with his passing. He yes. was playing it far too safe, which some of the times it was because he was coming on at the end of games that were winning and there was no need. There was games like the, I think it was the Shakhtar one in Europe where it actively annoyed me because he, he, he did have to score and he was still playing it safe. As he's got his confidence up and his fitness up, they've dovetailed at the same time and he's come back for that World Cup and he's been on fire. He's been superb. Yeah. Um, and I get Aidan's point, it was it was only Morton, uh, but he was still the key component of that performance. And you say you you used the phrase Tony in your your Aaron Moy post match kind of piece. Um, he's capable of running that midfield machine, and he is. That's what he's been doing. I said when he signed that he would replace everybody and nobody because he'd be used as and when required. Yes. A trusted kind of pair of pair of feet, <laughs> um, trusted yeah. pair of feet. Whether it was the six or the eight, he's he's obviously ended up. It's he's been far better at the eight for Celtic than he has at the six. Um, I still don't necessarily think. Uh, you can absolutely say he's broke into that top three midfield. I don't know yet. You'll need to see when the the maybe the, when the final rolls round, who's fit, who's firing. If he still goes with the McGregor, Hatate, O'Reilly mm-hmm. trio, or whether it's maybe McGregor, Hatate, Moy. But I think the biggest compliment you can pay Moy is that he's made it a genuine, genuine argument. Yeah, and also as well, I mean, you're talking about the standard of the opposition, Eden. How many times have you said? But thank you, Andrew. That's very kind. How many times have you said a player of Moy's class and caliber, or a another pick a midfielder, should be running the show against a team like Morton or a Championship side? You've said that about many players, or they should be head and shoulders above that level of opposition. Well, Aaron Moy was head and shoulders above the level of opposition on Saturday, and showed exactly why he was brought to the to the team. And I also mentioned the point that I went back to. Andy's quotes about being a good person as well, a good human being. And you saw that in Moy's interview right after the game when he was asked, you know, you scored two goals, you know, what a contribution. You could have had a hat-trick. And the first thing he said was, it's not about me. It's about the team. All I want to do is when I come into the side is help the team. And it showed you exactly why. That's why Andy's brought him in. Not only is he a, a good footballer, but he's a good team player good person ticks both of those Ange boxes that I mentioned in that piece the person box and the player box and uh, good you know excellent on both fronts which is which is Andy's MO so he, he told you that as well so that's why he brought him in even at 32 because you knew he could still kick it and uh, a good person to have around the dressing room as well clearly Seems like it. I uh, he's he's obviously really became sort of like I say a firm fan's favourite, and he's he's contributing a lot on the pitch. And uh, there's a good point that Sean made about when it comes to the final. It'll be interesting to see mm. if see everybody is fit, and that sort of would be able to play in that midfield three. Uh, who will be starting? And I think that at the moment nobody would really have any issues if Aaron Moy was was playing. I I, I mean, if we're just talking about Rangers games in general, even when he came on at Ibrox. He, I know he wasn't on that long, but he sort of did quite well there. And yep. He's obviously involved in setting up uh, Kilo's equaliser. So I think if Aaron Moy at the moment, based off his current form, was to start in that final, people would be, wouldn't have any issues with that. Or I wouldn't anyway. I'd be quite happy if he was playing. Didn't Kilo go, Tony? He get two goals again, up to 20 for the season already. Yes, surpassed, well, surpassed last season total, didn't he? I'm saying that because I posted a link in earlier, but I'll post it again. 
got a piece on the website and it's basically trying to investigate what the difference is um, between that last season and this season. And it, potentially it's a wee bit more of a selfish streak. Um, so basically I've titled it Kyogo versus Kyogo because he's in competition yeah. with himself now more than anything else. Um, so I put a link in the comments to that, but I thought he had a really good game again. I think that the, the kind of the, the popularity poll was, was wrong that gave him man of the match in the stadium. I think it, yes. everybody knew it was Aaron Moy that was the man of the match, not just because, I mean, if Kyogo stayed on longer, then he might get the hat trick and all that. But Aaron Moy, I mean, Aaron Moy was, was the man of the match on Saturday. I, I tell you something else that's kind of gone under the radar a wee bit the contribution of Turnbull and his two yeah. goals, last couple of games, and the manner of the two goals, long range shots, touched upon it the other day, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Turnbull's one of the few that can give you a long range goal and the calibre of finish that he's produced for those two goals is top draw Aiden. that one on Saturday was just, he passed it into the net but, but I mean he, he sized it up as soon as the ball was not but he sized it up and he knew exactly what he was doing and he, I mean the goalkeeper had no chance because it was just so accurate and then the one against St Murn I thought was excellent as well and he has that in his locker and a lot of people are saying that's one thing that Tumble maybe has over, say, somebody like O'Reilly, that there's a goal-scoring contribution there. And, Sean, you were talking about, is Tumble worth more minutes and stuff mm-hmm. like that? But, again, that's that whole midfield uh, competition for places, which is brilliant. You've got McGregor, you've got uh, Hatati, O'Reilly, Moy, you've now got Iwata, you've got Tumble. I mean, that's, a, that's an embarrassment of riches there. In terms of who who do you per many three from that six, I think that was that I named yeah. there. And you feel quite confident that whatever three the manager picks that they can go and do a job. You know, Derek Crawford mm-hmm. class on your control and touch he is and, and I've always said that I I think Turnbull's a, a highly skilled technician. He's just been unfortunate he's never really had a, a well apart for that time in the season that everybody forgets, when he actually made his name for Celtic, he came in and he did very, very well. But since then, he struggled to have that kind of extended run in the side. But he's a gifted footballer, Aidan, and certainly not one that I want to see leave the club in the foreseeable future. And and the manager likes him. The manager used to always reference him all the time, even when he was out the side. Gave him the nickname The Bull as well, didn't he? So he's clearly... He's clearly contracts, up, uh, contracts up next summer. Yeah, uh, I, I, as I said, I expected it with a new deal by this point. Uh, well, I would hope they would start. Yet. I hope they would start talking about a new deal for Turnbull soon, Aidan, because I still think he's got a valid contribution to make. Yeah, I mean, sort of his goal scoring numbers when he does come into the team, he's always usually in and around about either creating a goal or scoring in his last two strikes in particular, were really, really high quality, like two of the sort of tidiest goals you'll see, really. I mean, that one against St Mon was some strike, and then the way, like you say, Tony, you just sort of passed it in at the net against Morton was really satisfying. And it does give you that option of they will sometimes take a shot outside the box or even further back. And I know maybe that's not always the way Andrew wants to play, but I think sometimes, particularly if it's a game that's tight, I know the last two games he was sort of scoring after Celtic were already a few goals up, but I think if it's a match that's tight and you need something a wee bit different, Turnbull can provide that if it is coming off the bench. Obviously, like Sean mentioned, his contract situation, that does kind of put a wee bit of doubt in my mind whether or not he will stay, because also he's only got one year left on his deal after the summer. 
So if he, you know, wasn't going to sign a new deal, then put Celtic under a bit of pressure to sell him. But hopefully they can get an extension sorted because I do agree with you, Tony. He's a really sort of positive player to have in the squad, even if it is coming off the bench and not starting every single game. I like him, Tony. I've, I've, uh, I mean, I've put the, like, the comments. I wrote a feature about that month that made his yeah, Celtic yeah, yeah. career back in the, the season that's that shall what, not be named. That's uh, what, yeah, that's what triggered it in my head. I think um, the start of Ash Postacoglu's tenure, he, he had a run the team because there, there wasn't any other options anyway, but he'd done all right. He became quite a popular player with the manager, clearly. I think as the likes of Rao Hatate and Matt O'Reilly have been signed, coupled with the fact that he's had, he's had injury issues, has saw his game time reduced, but it's very hard to get the game time, especially when Aaron Moyes popped up and ended up inserting himself probably higher in the pecking order already eh, for one of the eights rules, but I think uh, I think he has got soft, something to offer. I really like him as a player. Technically, I think he, he's got it. Certainly for the certainly for the Premiership, where his his goal record from midfield is really really good. Mm. Uh, you're right. You mentioned he is capable from outside the box, which isn't Celtic style. So not as many players take shots from outside the box, but he has license when he when he comes on to do it. Uh, I'm, I'm supposed to call it clearly trust him to take one take shots from outside the box. The one, obviously, the one criticism that I think anybody that watches him would have is he's massively one-footed, which in the European level probably does, eh, probably can be exploited. Um, I think when you compare him to Hatate and O'Reilly, his ability to play kind of key passes and through balls and stuff isn't there the way that theirs is. Um, but his set pieces, on the other hand, give him a wee edge as well. So I think there's there's plenty of ways you can make a, a case. And there's plenty of ways you could say, well, not quite. And I think the way that Ange Postecoglou's using him so far, um, injuries and all that aside, I think the way he's using him so far suggests that he's got a bit of work to do to actually get the starts, even though I've, yeah. I've been prone to occasionally putting him in my predicted 11 and he's not been picked. But, it's uh, all about the swaz, Sean, isn't it? Yes, you can put uh, in a ball and, and hit a ball with Aiden into the back of the net, that swaz that he spoke about at Fur Park when he screamed a, a trademark goal into the net. But, there you go. But lots of other uh, things to come from Saturday. Wata made his debut. Aiden, what did you make of Wata? There's Mahesh Raja coming in saying, watch out for Wata. He'll be a fine. Did you like the look of him from that wee cameo at the weekend? Yeah, I thought he looked fine. Obviously, it was quite a small sample size, but I thought he was relatively controlled. Some of the passes were uh, pretty good that he had. It will be interesting to see how much he, he does feature going forward. Obviously, if Ange is wanting to continue with McGregor pretty much consistently the six as he has since he came in, I, I think it's going to be quite hard for him to start. But it there could be there's always opportunities to sort of rotate the squad and that, and there might be times that he moves McGregor a wee bit further forward, and that would allow Wata to play more regularly as a six. But I, I thought for a sort of first appearance, it, it was pretty good. Obviously, he wasn't under a lot of pressure, but. It's not like you sort of sit uh, Morton were constantly pressing Celtic from the back or anything, but I thought I thought it was pretty good from what I seen, to be honest. Sean, you wrote the first mm-hmm. impression piece about Iwata. What, uh, what was your takeaway from that? It's in the comments, um, if you want yeah. to read it. It's, um, I mean, I, it was, it's an instant reaction, so it's not, not yeah. a kind of heavily researched data thing. It was my just my instant reaction, but yeah. 45 minutes, and I think I thought he was good. I thought he was happy to get involved, etc., but... It's really quite hard to gauge when it's it's not only a second tier opponent, but you're on when your team's already four 0 up and cruising. Yeah. So I think the the real assessments will come in the next few games. But as I say, I thought it was good and I thought it was 
very eager, very, very happy to get involved, very happy to show for a pass, which is, I mean, he's played for Ange Postecoglou before, he knows that's a prerequisite, you need to be, you need to, you remember the, the Mike Tuck training session, just because the ball's at the other end doesn't mean that you're not involved, you need to be thinking to show for your teammate to pass the ball, and uh, an, open, an open man's always key for Celtic to break teams down and different things, so I thought it was, I, I thought it was good, but hard to gauge given the situation he came on in. Yeah. In the situation he came on in, Sean, I hope you didn't give your father and father-in-law it too tight because uh, Celtic won 5 nothing. I'm, I'm sure you went easy on uh, them. Not. I mean, the the text at half-time was, I, my 3-0 prediction was just for the one half, but... So. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, Celtic won 5 nothing, and we'll play St Mirren in the next round at home in the Cup. I guess Andy's getting his wish at the minute to getting home draws in the cup, Aiden. They've had a few away draws, but a couple of home draws looking to complete that. Let's call it a Renfrewshire double by taking one half of Renfrewshire and now going to try and take the other half of Renfrewshire. Uh, St Martin in the fifth round. Can you see them completing that double, Aiden? Uh, hopefully, yeah, it's a pretty positive draw, isn't it? I think you, uh, anybody would have been really happy with a home tie. You didn't really want to have to go and play away from home in the, the next round. Do you, I mean, we've obviously seen with the amount of games that were getting called off in this uh, sort of last Scottish Cup round. So even though it could have potentially been a team in a division below, you could have drawn, which on paper you would say that would maybe be a bit of an easier game in St Mum. But I would much rather have a game at Parkhead, regardless of the way who it was against, just to sort of build that towards. Because also, they'll, they'll, if you do get through this game, there'll be another one before potential a trip to Hamden. So, yeah, it, it was, I was quite happy with the draw. I, I don't think you could ask for much better, to be honest. Sean, happy with the draw? Aye. Uh, home draw is really all you can ask for, I think. Uh, that's, that's as good as you can get. And as I always say, Parkhead, it's just you, you expect. He expects Celtic to win it, so I think uh, I next round should be should be the. I was going to say should be a given, but I don't want to say that because <laughs> it's a jinx. I think, but nah, I think happy enough with that. It's not been confirmed what da- data is yet, but it's the weekend of February eleventh and twelfth. So we Valentine's present for most people, hopefully. But... <laughs> the romance of the cup and all that, <laughs> as we say, indeed. Well, guys, that's been fifty minutes. That's been pretty enjoyable. Really enjoyed that. Lots to talk about today on a Celtic Way morning briefing. I'll just direct you again to the strap line at the bottom. We've got an offer for you. Subscribe to the Celtic Way website. It'll cost you a pound for four months of unlimited access to everything that we write on the website. And new subscribers will get that free A3 Callum McGregor bespoke artwork print by renowned Celtic football artist made by Frankie. Click of a button, guys. www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. That's www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. Thank you for getting involved in the comments today. Enjoyed that, the interaction. As I say, we always bring it up. We couldn't do it without you. We enjoy the wee community that we've built here. We like to flash up the comments as many as we can, uh, and we try and do that on a daily basis. And we also say thank you to Seneca, who are the new Celtic Way Morning Briefing, now sponsored by Seneca Medical Group. And Seneca, the number one hair transplant company in Europe, and they offer innovative hair restoration treatments. And you can find out more about Seneca via the links in the description of this video. That was an enjoyable pod, boys. We'll do it all again tomorrow. Thanks, Aidan. 5 now.
first class again, well done. Fucking <laughs> clap there, yes. Sean, cheers, always first class. And thanks for the comments, Jupes. Appreciate it. See you tomorrow. Cheers, guys. Cheers. <laughs>